Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Shit Talk and Panther podcast. Today's guest is Denise Welsh, who is an actor and has been on our screens for a couple of decades now. She's been on Coronation Street, Waterloo Road. She's also made an appearance on Celebrity Big Brother, which she won. And we have a very down-to-earth conversation. We talk about some controversies in her uh, lifetime, and we also talk about her acting career and um, about her mental health. If you haven't already, please go over to Instagram and give me a follow there on the new page. And if you're on YouTube as well, subscribe, share, and like the video too. But other than that, enjoy the episode. And hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Shit Talking Panther podcast. Today's guest is Denise Welsh. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much. A bit jet lagged. I've just had five glorious weeks in Los Angeles. And um, so I'm just catching up. But I had a big 12 hour sleep, sleepathon last night. So I feel almost human. <laughs> and uh, I seen on LA that you were living it up like LA style. Do you have family out there or what was the reasoning being out there? Yeah, we don't have, well, Well, I, I say, is Godfather family? I suppose I, I consider them family. We have a lot of friends out there, Nathan, a lot of friends. And obviously we hadn't um, seen them, you know, for the last, well, o- o- over two years. And Los Angeles is somewhere that we just both love to be. It really is a kind of a happy place for us both. Because I don't, I don't feel, I do feel like I'm a bit on vacation because I'm not at home. But mm. we, it's sort of like almost... A parallel life because we go there and we rent a home and we have all our friends and you know it's sort of like living a life but this time we were doing some play and some work so I was doing some BTs for Loose Women mm. some fun Denzi in LA style shoots for Loose Women which was fantastic to be able to work there and mm. bring a little bit of sunshine to the air uh, to the gloom of London over the next few few months if, if indeed there is gloom and Lincoln my husband is an artist and he is um, in several of Sotheby's galleries internationally. And he was also setting up, and again, it's like <laughs> crypto, crypto, um, a crypto art platform. Oh, like NFT? So it's a crypto art platform, um, crypto-art.com. I think that's right. Um, people can buy they have about 30 artists are going to be on there it's very much just started and people can buy the art as an nft and as a hard copy actual piece of art lincoln has tried to explain it to me 17 million times and i still am getting my head around how you own something that doesn't physically exist and don't even get me started <laughs> on this <laughs> um, that's what his... we were doing so it was a bit of work and lots of play is that his artwork behind you Yes, it is. What is that? That's, that's his artwork. Well, he's an he's an abstract painter, so I can't really say what it is. And oh, then geez. that's another piece there. He's oh, like he's that. an extremely brilliant artist, and yeah. his whole career has taken place in the last ten years since we got sober. Okay. And um, he now sells through his studio, Lincoln Townie Studios. He sells through Sotheby's and at auction. And um, and also through the crypto world, so he's done incredibly well, and I'm really really proud of him because his work is now collected by a lot of really you know amazing people. 
Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, no, I'm happy for him. That there skull one on the right with the blue is pretty. I know, uh, I know. It's amazing. Thick. And if you can see there, there's a yellow. Ah, cool. Okay. A yellow one. A yellow one as well. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very proud of him. Has he, I, I take it, I don't even know why I'm asking this question, but has he done like, you know, the Titanic Rose picture of you, like painting? <laughs> No, no, I've never <laughs> quite made it as a muse. Although wow. he paints some grotesque creatures. So maybe I am in there. <laughs> I am in there. <laughs> I am in there somewhere. He yeah. um he paints he paints from a um perspective of um men's desire to to consume. He paints oh. about greed and I think it's a lot of a lot of demons that we both had, you know, when, when we met and now they are channeled in, in different, in diff different ways. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's quite, but he has a complete cross section of, uh, of, of collectors. And um, it, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just amazing seeing his, seeing his growth over the last, the last 10 years. He's a, he's a very good person on a podcast, Nathan. So might okay. be somebody you might want to talk to at some point because yeah. He challenges every single every single aspect of the art world. He's he's a real outsider artist, you know. So to be embraced by Sotheby's with the where he's come from is really quite um quite quite you know incredible. But he's very motivational. Yeah, and yeah. you can tell like the way you're speaking about him as well. It obviously shows how much passion he must have for it, um, because yeah. you seem to be you know um providing that for him, uh. Yeah, whenever I seen that you were in uh, LA, I seen that you ran into, um, I forget what his name was in actual Waterloo Road, but you ran into a doctor from a, the young boy, was it Denzel? Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't, uh, Angela Griffin seemed to put on her Instagram that we ran into each other. We didn't, we didn't run into each other. We had met to go shopping and mm -hmm. I wanted to go to Target because <laughs> Target is my favorite shop in the entire world. So you can keep your Rodeo drives and you can keep all your designer stores. <laughs> yeah. Give me an hour in Target to the point, Nathan, where we've had, we had to buy an extra suitcase in Target, of course, and we had to leave loads of stuff with my friend Carl because I couldn't pack it. What oh, I was wow. thinking about, I have no idea. So Reese Noy that you're talking about was in Waterloo Road with me. He played Earl Kelly, the character that shot my shot and killed my daughter. Yes. And uh, we've stayed in touch and Reese is doing um Reese is doing really, really well in America. But one mm. of the other um strands that we did, we did Brits Abroad. So I got to interview my one of my best friends, who is the actor Chris Gear, who was also in Waterloo Road with me. He then went on to do a series called You're the Worst, which was huge in America, and um is now in This Is Us, which is the biggest show in the world and um, <laughs> the biggest TV show in the world. And it's, it's, it's so exciting. And I also met up with my friend, Lucy Davis, who was Dawn in the office. Oh. And um, she's been living there for 20 years. So no I interviewed way. her. I interviewed Ross King, who most people know from the Lorraine show down the line from Hollywood. But yeah. a lot of people don't know other things that Ross does. Ross's house is the nearest house I've ever been to in all the houses I've been to in LA nearest to the Hollywood sign. So although he's in the studio with the pretending Hollywood sign behind him, he could almost be in his lounge of the Hollywood <laughs> sign behind him. It's Brilliant. amazing. It's, he's, he's fantastic. And the other actor is Sean Maguire, who again, people knew from EastEnders and for a sort of fleeting pop career, but, um, 
but he's working consistently out there. So it's been nice to, it'll be nice to show people that some actors, you know, it's not necessarily that they've become Brad Pitt or Robert Downey Jr., yeah. but they are incredibly successful working and jobbing as actors in the United States. So it mm. was lovely to catch up with them. Oh, that's brilliant. And do you ever like, do you ever like pinch yourself? Like whenever you're in like those sort of moments, you're like, I can't believe I've got here. Yeah, I'll tell you why I pinch myself more though. I pinch myself more that I can enjoy it because I'm sober. So yeah. although, that, although that might sound really corny and cliched, mm -hmm. that there's not a day goes by that Lincoln and I don't say, God, remember that time or how awful it would be, you know, and isn't it amazing that we can experience this? Because imagine if we'd still been drinking. Mm -hmm. So I'm just grateful for every day that I get to, you know, remain relevant in my 60s. I'm just glad, I'm glad to be working because we do live in an ageist society and we do live in it. I do work in, in a predominantly ageist industry. So mm -hmm. I'm very lucky um, that I think my roles get better. And, and also I work on Loose Women. And yeah. one of which is probably the only show on television where it helps if you're an old bird. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, speaking of loose women, I wanted to ask you this question. Uh, so like, you know, whenever the like tabloids come after you for like anything and like you obviously have to deal with the bullshit. Like it wasn't even like a bad thing I've seen. So I went on the Google just to see what was going on, like surrounding your name. And the first thing that popped up was like, oh, Denise, uh, well, she had she had a cough on uh, on loose women. Like, why is that even being reported? Like, how, how do you deal with like Everything that? Everything I say or do, you can guarantee within 20 minutes of coming off air, it will have been picked up by one of Isn't the online crazy? things. I mean, I literally, I mean, I like I said to you at the beginning, I'm tired because I'm jet lagged. I get terrible jet lag. Some people seem to sail sail through it I get terrible jet lag and if I get jet lag like a lot of people if you're tired you, you know so I had a frog in my throat yeah so I just kept about three times I went sorry <clears throat> like that suddenly viewers are worried about Denise Welsh because she clears her spreader. throat three times oh my god the thing <laughs> is it was a real problem for the particularly the four weekly um women's magazines when I gave up alcohol because they couldn't write about my drug hell or my drink hell or you know they tried with my marriage hell for a while I lost my dad as you will know because you know my nephew I lost my dad in um, September my beloved dad Vin and um it was it was awful and we miss him every single day but my sister Debbie and I were clearing out um his, um, his, his house to sort of um, get ready to sell it, and you know, the stuff that you do. Yeah. And dad had said every single magazine that I had ever been on the cover of, probably <laughs> about 1,500. Wow. Now, some of those were lovely covers, you know, celebrating things, but the majority of them was some kind of hell. And I kept sending them off to Lincoln taking photographs and saying, how did we ever get through these hells to be where <laughs> we are today? And there's one where it's a full front page, fears as star goes missing. No recollection of this ever happening. So I look in the inside and apparently I was an hour late for work one day, which is very rare. 
But for some reason, 150 years ago, I was an hour late for work, which spawned a headline, Fears as Star Goes Missing. That's because crazy. probably two people at ITV went, we can't find Denise. <laughs> that was it. Front page, front page news. The tabloids, um, it doesn't really matter anymore, Nathan, to be honest, because A, I don't do anything that they could possibly get a story out of of any interest because I'm at home with a crumpet at 10 o'clock. But also, with the advent of social media and Instagram, you know, people tend to to steer their own narrative with a lot of things. So it doesn't give us much power to the paps. Yeah. And um, and now, as I say, it's um, it, there's, there's nothing for them to write about me, but they did give me a hard time for a lot of time, especially because, you know, it gets to the point, it got to the point where if I came out of a restaurant and say, for example, I was with you and we were just chatting and there was a camera there and you go like that momentarily, that yeah. would be Denise Stumbles drunk out of a restaurant. Even yeah. if I was with my children and completely stone cold sober at two in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, and it's not really that it used to worry me so much, but it's the ripple effect of the people. You know, you have aunties who believe everything they read. They believe everything they see on the television, you yeah. know, all of that kind of stuff. And I was a target. And yeah. I'm not saying that there weren't times where they were justified, but they would make up stuff a lot of the time. And um, I was I was an absolute target for them. So, you know, it was a pretty it was a pretty rough time, especially because I knew several people more famous than me who I'd go to my grave saying what they were up to. And they never made an inch of tabloid columns. It just yeah. so happened I was I was a bit of a target for a time. But, you know, it makes you it kind of it makes you and shapes you and. Luckily, we were able to, it wasn't very nice for the kids when they were at school, especially for Matty, because Matty's, Louis was 10, 9 or 10 when we got sober, so it didn't really impact on him. But when the tabloids were after me, Matthew was a, um, Ma Matthew was a kid. And like I say, I'm not, I'm not justifying some behaviours. I accept many things that I did and, and you know, they were, they were obviously going to find a headline in that. But um, yeah, it's made me who I am today, I suppose. Do you think it like uh, whenever they so say like obviously whenever you're younger and like the tabloids are coming after you, do you think like the it kind of they're shaping your life out for you like they're influencing you to do more shit? Um, not no not 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 really. Um, it it was just that you. The thing is, it sounds like I'm going on about alcohol a lot, but one thing led to another because when you're drinking and you're out socially a lot like I was and you are surrounding yourself with people that you think are your friends but aren't your friends. Mm. So I then learned after the event and when you when you become sober and you learn, you know, you learn who your true friends are, that I was being sold down the river by several people that I considered to be a mate. Not my true friends. My true best friends are the friends I've had for years and I have to this day. But people on the periphery of my life, on the outskirts of my life that I would have said I trusted, they mm. were tipping the press off, letting them know where I was. You know, all of that going on for a few hundred quid there. And of course, then, of course, we know that there was phone hacking which we didn't know about. So I was hacked from 2001 to 2007. Um, like why? Yeah, by the Mirror Group. And not only, not only hacked on the phone, on two occasions, they put bugs in my hotel room. 
this is all out and all proven. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, they. What put did they think you were like a spy room. or something for like Russia? Yeah. Like I don't understand I mean, why they would think, an actress. And then it makes you think if they're going to do that with little old me, God knows what they've done with the royal family and the yeah. re- the real true megastars. You know, because that's what they were prepared to do. Hiring private investigators to follow me, hiring private investigators to uh, pay for access to my hotel room to put a bug in it. Yeah, it's flipping insane. Do you know what I did see, um, which actually shocked me um, the other day, was this bullshit stuff that you're getting with like a stalker. What the hell is that all about? It's not like yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, it was really horrible. in fact, I've just done the, um, I don't know when this is going out, but I've just done this story uh, today. Um, yeah, horrible September 2020. Um, we were at home here with, um, ironically, as we speak, my brother-in-law and my mother-in-law are here. And my brother-in-law has not, Lincoln's brother hasn't been back since that day. He was so oh, traumatized man. by it. Yeah. Lincoln is, Lincoln is brother and, and his son, Lewis, my stepson. 2020. So we were just coming out of lockdown and able to go to restaurants till 10 o'clock at night and all of these things that we did. And we came back and um, I went to bed. I was reading. The boys were watching a movie. I just heard Lincoln screaming. I ran downstairs and a woman had come to the door, bravely run past a burning skip. And someone had set fire to this full skip that was in our drive. Lincoln jumped in the car, my car, Mm-hmm. drove it out and within seconds of him driving it out the fire came through the side of the skip oh wow and um and it would have caught onto my car by the time the fire engine came which was very prompt it seemed like ages but it wasn't because it seems like ages when you can see the fire yeah. catching onto your house and by the time they came it had taken all the guttering off the garage and they said if they'd been five minutes more the house could have gone up with us in it Oh my god! And um, the guy had been stalking me, and he was only he was only found and arrested eventually because we had CCTV, mm-hmm. and we saw him come go down the side of the house, come round, light, um, light, put lighter fluid on the skip, set it alight. He then came back weeks later because he wasn't charged, wasn't charged. But this is not the police's fault; it was the CPS. And mm-hmm. uh, anyway, he came back, and uh, knowing that there were cameras that had got him arrested the first time. He came back and scrawled pimp and witch on our gate. And um, came back another time, put some kind of biblical thing there. Anyway, he was arrested. I pushed and pushed and he was arrested and charged. And then he was in prison on remand and he has been ever since. And on last week, we did a court case from the desert in Hot Springs near Palm Springs. It was quite bizarre. (laughs) <laughs> with a cactus outside talking to Chester Crown Court. We read our impact <laughs> statement and um, he got seven years and seven months. You'll probably be out in less than three, but the sentence was seven years and seven months and a permanent restraining order from this whole town, not just okay. our house. Good. But yeah, that's, very, very frightening. Yeah, and I no was, idea why. Yeah, that's what I was, that was my next question. I was going to ask what, like, what was the motivation behind the very the beginning. At the very beginning, we were very lucky to have what they call a harm reduction unit, which was two um, incredible women that I've become, well, we've become very close to because they deal with the emotional and, you know, if there's any physical harms, but in our case, emotional harms and trauma and, um, you know, because it changed while he was out, it changed the way we lived our lives. You know, he was also found with knives in his bag. 
And they said, you only carry knives if you work with them or you plan to use them. And so I was getting up for five o'clock to go to film at Hollyoaks and Lincoln was getting up in the morning with me to come downstairs with me because I was scared he was going to jump out. You know, Lincoln and I work apart a lot of the time. Luckily, during that, during the, the one good thing about this happening in 2020, 2021 is that life hadn't resumed properly yet. So we were actually not apart as much as we normally, normally are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was um it was a pretty a pretty daunting time. Um and but what the harm reduction unit said to us at the very beginning is the the the, the frustrating thing is and the worrying thing is is that in 99% of cases such as this you will never find out why they did it. That's mad. Like yeah. I'm, I'm sure you want closure like to know why. But like you obviously don't want to go We won't get it though because the guy's still the guy's still denying it and he's banged to rights. I'm looking at you here as clear as day and that's what we've got of him doing it. So so no apology, no no remorse, nothing. That's crazy. Anyway, he's where he's where he should be, and that makes me feel good. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This will be like one of those other moments where you look back and you're like, "How the fuck did we get out of that?" I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, that's funny you mentioned Chester as well. I totally forgot. Obviously, Hollyoaks is filmed in Chester. I, half of my family are from Chester, so um, well, Hollyoaks is filmed there. in Liverpool now. So the frontage it used yeah, to be. Yeah. So it's meant to be Chester, and they yeah. used to actually film in Chester Town Centre, but now they've built Chester Town Centre on the on the lot. Okay. So everything's filmed on the lot. I'm not in it now, though. I left in November, but I was doing it for a year. Okay. And what, what that's one of my next questions is, um, what, what would you say was probably your most, like, funnest role? Um, I've, had, I've had fun in lots of roles, and I'll be honest with you, Nathan, People always think that the more well-known you become or the more successful you become, the better the roles are, the more fun you have. But that's not necessarily the case. I had some of my best times in, as my friend Richenda used to call those terrible tours I used to do. She'd go, oh, darling, are you doing another tour of Drop Your Knickers and Cry Murder? (laughs) But I did, you know, tours of there's a girl in my soup and bedroom fast for like tuppence a week in a brown envelope, you know, all around the country. But I had no, I had no kids. I had no worries. You know what I mean? Those type yeah. of things were very, very important to me because I did ten, I did ten years of theatre before I started doing television. I was thirty before I started doing telly. Whereas kids these days just sit, they go, "Have you done any theatre?" And I go, "Have I done any theatre?" <laughs> just don't <laughs> don't seem to want to do an apprenticeship and go straight in. Yeah. I think from a TV point of view, I would say that. Maybe the most fun I had was Soldier Soldier, which okay. was in the 90s, because it was like being it was like being sent away to work abroad with all your best mates. Yeah. OK. And we yeah. got up to lots of lots and lots of mischief. That was <laughs> great. And I think theatre wise. My most from a personal success point of view is probably probably in 2004. I mean, I've done some nice stuff since, but. 2004, I did um, The Rise and Fall of Little Voice at the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester. And for many reasons, because of my clinical depression and my living living with that over many years, I'd had a breakdown on stage and I had not done theatre for years because I was too frightened. And so 
after about eight years, I went back to the theatre, to the Royal Exchange Theatre I'd always wanted to work at since I was at drama school. And I had a huge success and won several awards for that role. So it was kind of a comeback role, but it was also just a big personal success for me. So I think, as I say, I've always enjoyed, I did a tour of Calendar Girls, the musical, and I'm not really a musical actor, really. I can hold a tune. So if they're looking for actors who sing, I'm all right, but I'm not a singer. Yeah. And um, so I did a tour of Calendar Girls. And again, I had some amazing times, but there was one one bad apple in that company that can spoil it for other people. And I've been lucky because in 40 years, I've never really done any theatre with anybody I didn't like. But there was one person I wouldn't cross the road for. But um, but yeah, but, I, you know, as I say, I and I love, you know, I love Loose Women. I've been doing that for 20 years. Yeah. off and on and, and and it's a gig I still absolutely adore even though the press are constantly trying to make out we're always feuding fighting and clashing I've yeah. never had one backstage row in 20 years with any <laughs> of the loose women and I say that here Nathan never <laughs> yeah I know it's funny I actually seen another one uh, another article pop up earlier today about uh, Nadia uh, saying something about you and I'm just like it's probably not the case um, oh no, because it was the fact that she disagreed with me about what I yeah. said about Boris yesterday. End of story. Nadia and I are great exactly. friends. Yeah. Oh God, they were crazy. You know what it gets me about it though? We all just we all just ignore it. But it's the fact that because we're women, that's yeah. what pisses me off. Right, when right, women right. work together, everyone wants to make out that there's some kind of kite fight situation, and it really <laughs> annoys me because I am a woman's woman, and yeah. I love my girlfriends, and also. I don't have to work in an environment that's backstabbing and catty. I wouldn't work there. I don't need to. None of us need it enough that they would that we would work in that atmosphere, you know. But yeah. if um it gets them some column inches, so let them crack on. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's one thing I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be like true to myself, but it's obviously hard and like obviously the content sort of like creator stage because you, everything now it needs to be catchy, it needs to be like really out there to, you know, get that click. Um but I'm going to try and hold true to my guns. And like, I could just make up some things like about me and you talking right now. And then I would get the clickbait. You know what I mean? But I would never do that. There's something though, Nathan, nine times out of 10, people are caught out. And then you just look an absolute idiot. Do you know what I mean? You've, yeah. I, I just think staying true to yourself is absolutely the way. I, I, I really, really do. Because people can see through the bullshit. They yeah. really can. No, that's definitely true. Um, you you just mentioned there about like being in a toxic environment. One thing, like I I've loved you from Waterloo Road, and I loved you on Celebrity Big Brother as well. Oh, you're probably God. like, oh, no, he's not going to talk about Celebrity Big Brother. But um, like how like I, I've never talked to anyone that has been in it before. Like how like toxic is it being in that like pressure cooker in a way? Yeah, I hated it. Yeah. Um, I hated. I hated my experience in Celebrity Big Brother and I'm very grateful to the viewers who voted for me, but I think it was a sympathy vote. I always say it was a very hollow victory for me. I've talked to loads of people who've been in it and some people absolutely loved it. You know, you talked to Carol McGiffin, one of my best mates from Loose Women, and um, she had a brilliant time. She absolutely loved it. You talked to Martin Kemp. Martin had a brilliant time. It depends what's going on in your life when you go in yeah. and who you're in with, what state of mind you're in. And I was in the wrong state of mind to go in. I was in a very vulnerable time in my life because my ex-husband, Tim, my kid's dad, 
yeah. who I'm still friends with. Um, he and I had just agreed to um, split up, but we hadn't, we weren't ready to announce it to anyone. I was seeing Lincoln, he was seeing Joe, but we were separated. We just weren't officially separated. And also I was, I was in a very vulnerable situation and I shouldn't have gone in, but my, my then manager, um, made up some story about the fact that there'd been discussions with Channel 5 and they were very keen on giving me two shows if I rated well and everything. It was all complete BS. But anyway, I went in. And the money is undeniably very good, especially if you go in like me in my 50s. I thought, well, I'll only be in a week because I think that was the minimum that you could be in. So I'm thinking, well, I'm only going to be in a week because they're going to get rid of Nana here. And, and then I'll have that money because Tim and I were notoriously dreadful with money. I'm so glad I'm married to Lincoln now and that he's married to Joe because we're looked after with that respect that they, they make us fill in the forms. Yeah. Um, but it's a very interesting social experiment, Big Brother, because it, it really, try not to swear too much, but it really fucks with you, with, yeah, your, with your mind. Because... People who seem, the only time you ever hear real life is when the doors open. So regardless of any conspiracy theories that people feed you pizza and that you're given your phones at night and you can secretly watch television and all this, that doesn't happen at all. It's exactly what you see. You have no contact with the outside world. And what they do is as well, as the crowds are gathering on eviction night, they play birdsong into the house. So it covers up the noise in case they hear anything. So, um, so until those doors open, you, that's the only snatch of real life that you hear. So for example, in the, in the first few days or week, this is just an example, cause I can't remember how long people stayed, yeah. but Natalie Cassidy was in there and she was like my best friend in there. We, we really bonded. She was in EastEnders. I didn't really know her before then. And so we had a great time and a great laugh, as I did with several people. Mm -hmm. So when the doors open and they go, you know, um, Michael Madsen, you know, um, Kirk Norcross, Ray, Natalie Cassidy, Ray! and then Brian Dowling, I think it was, says, but the person evicted tonight is Natalie Cassidy. So you're completely thrown by, oh my God, are they keeping me in because they don't like me then? Or because Michael Madsen's being horrible to me, that's what they're doing, they're keeping me in because they like to see my pain, they don't really like me. They love Natalie and she's gone, why is that? But, and as each person goes out, the, dy the dynamic changes. So you had people like Gareth, who was um, a rugby player. Yeah. Now if Gareth had, I know he wouldn't mind me saying, if Gareth had food ex ex and exercise and sleep, he was as sweet as a nut. Mm -hmm. But what they would do is, as punishments, they would take certain things away. And so if I snored, which I did, so he didn't get any sleep, and they'd shut the gym as a punishment, right, he would be on edge. Mm. And he would tend to gravitate to Nicola McLean because she was the cook. Yeah. I, I can't cook. I, I, I can't. And food... I love my food. I'll eat anything, but I'm not a foodie. I'm happy with beans and cheese on toast. 
but Nicola was doing, so people tend to grab, say some people would gravitate to her. As a provider. Um, yeah. And then as, yeah. and then as somebody else goes out, Frankie Kokosa would gravitate to me or to that. But so there's this whole dynamic changing. And Michael Madsen, who was the American actor, complete and utter Prick. nightmare. Um, I nominated him because we had to nominate after a few days. And at that point, you like everybody. So you you think, oh, God, I, I don't know who to nominate because I like everybody. But yeah. you have to think of a reason. So I said, well, I'll nominate Georgia, who was this young model who just didn't say anything. She was perfectly lovely, but she just didn't say anything. So I said, well, I'm going to nominate Georgia just because I haven't really had a chance to get to know her. And I'm going to nominate Michael because although I really like him, he's come into a show called Celebrity Big Brother. And he hasn't asked me one question about myself, not even why I'm here. What deems me a celebrity? Whereas I know what his wife's called, what his kids are called, what his dog's called, what his address is, what films he's been in. So I'm just assuming he's not that interested in me. So I'm voting for Michael. They then play those nominations into the house. Michael sees it like that, hated me from then on. So it was just, it was a trial, but there were some lovely people in there. Frankie Cocosa, Kurt Norcross, Natalie Cassidy, Romeo from So Solid Crew. Um, yeah, I can't think if I've left Gareth, you know, if I've left anybody else out, but there was, there was like some the Playboy bunnies. Mm-hmm. They, um, I was very nice to them and they called <laughs> me mama until, until I nominated them. Yeah. And then it all changed, you know, but uh, you have to nominate. That's part of the game. Some people yeah. go into these shows and it's like, that's the game. Exactly. You have to nominate somebody. Yeah. You know, but anyway, it was an experience. And again, it, it was a real experience. And um, it, I would never want to put myself in a situation where I'd be away from anybody that I loved for that length of time again. I felt very vulnerable. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, well, I'm glad you won. And it wasn't, I don't know if you've talked obviously to the public about it, but like, I, I think that everyone just loved you because you were who you are and you were, you know, being yourself. And that's obviously what everyone. Well, I was certainly being myself crying in a garden for three weeks. But anyway, thank you. <laughs> um, one thing that I will mention, it was fucking hilarious. And I think it was like, it's probably up there in like the top like TV moments is whenever you flash to Frankie in the jacuzzi, it was just fucking golden. So like, uh, you probably think of it as a stain on yourself, but I don't, I think it was fucking well, brilliant. I'll tell you what I do <laughs> think of it as. I cannot for the life of me think why it caused such a, such a stir, an adverse stir, because on I'd always been known prior to going in for, you know, flashing me boobs, flashing yeah. me bra. You know, I did it on Loose Women. It was just, and, every, and all, all the girls used to go, Denzi, if you're going to flash your bra, at least get a nice bra. You know, you've always <laughs> got horrible bras. And it was always, you know, if, and I, I'd, I'd do it whether I was sober or drinking. You know, it was yeah, just exactly. like a comedy moment. And the thing is, contrary to popular, contrary to popular opinion and folklore, Channel 5 do not give someone like me enough alcohol to get roaring drunk. Believe you me, it was like an aperitif to me. So the night of the jacuzzi, I think I must have had a beer and a glass of wine. Yeah. And you're all trying to get, you know, to know each other. And Frankie dared me to do it. And, and, I, and I did it. 
it was so inconsequential to us in the house. The yeah. next day, it wasn't even mentioned. You know, nobody got up in the morning and went, oh, Dan. Yeah. It was more about Nicola McLean nearly snogging somebody, if I remember. Me That's getting right, yeah. me boobs out was nothing, was nothing new. You know, woman in 50s <laughs> getting boobs out. Subsequently, every single Big Brother show after me, they had the bloody foo-foos out the second yeah, they got in. Was doing it. God forbid anybody in their 50s gets their boobs out. But it wasn't yeah. exactly my most glorious moment as far as my kids are concerned. But that was partly the way the media interpreted it, like it was some bloody, you know, dreadful crime. Uh-huh. You know, it's like I said, I said, God, I've never bullied anybody in there. And yet the bullies used to win Big Brother, you know, and I got uh-huh. my boobs out in my 50s, big deal. <laughs> No, listen, Denise, I loved that. I thought it was brilliant. It was like one of those, like, like one of those just gold UK TV moments. And I thought it was brilliant. It's great that you're a part of that history. I'm going to be known for something. <laughs> um, that actually, uh, you know, comes on to this next one is like, see, whenever you're walking down the street, will someone call you by like your character's name and whatever you've been in, like wherever it was like, you mentioned Soldier, Soldier, Cornish Street or like, you know, Miss Havoc. Not or, anymore because I've been on Loose Women for so long. Oh, okay okay so because i'm they they call me by my um by my by my real real name um yeah. they a, a lot of people still go coronation street and and it's like yes but it was 24 years ago that i went into <laughs> coronation street or they'll say what's kevin up to it's like i have no idea i haven't seen him for 20 years you know i really don't know but I'm never going to be somebody who um, I was talking to one of my heroes, Patrick Duffy from Dallas, because I was just like Dallas and dynasty obsessed. You know, it was uh, everything about it. So you could have sat anybody on the chair next to me and lose women the other day. And I wouldn't have been as starstruck as I was with Patrick Duffy. And I asked him the question. I said, you know, we've had many people on this show, many people I've met in real life who become famous for some iconic TV show. And then they don't want to talk about it anymore. You know, they will not talk about that show because they're doing other things. I said, but you embrace it. And he said, why would I not embrace it? I wouldn't have had the opportunities I've had if I hadn't done it. I wouldn't be sat here doing a tour of the UK if it wasn't for, you know. So I'm a bit like that. Do I get sick of every time I'm written about it says often ex Coronation Street star Denise Welsh. It's like, God, that was 20 odd years ago. But, you know, there's 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 worse things. And coronation street when i was in it was unbelievable you know it, i i felt feel really honored to have been in it with, with with those amazing you know with those amazing people at a time when 24 million people watched every episode 24 million that's over a third of the country that's how many people were watching it when i when natalie my character married des barnes 21 million people watched that episode it's an incomprehensible amount of people yeah. You know, and now soaps are lucky if they get six or seven because there's so many other alternative places to view. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's like Netflix just taking over, hasn't it? I wonder yeah. if that would actually be funny if the soaps went on Netflix. I bet you the ratings would go up. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting. I think we've all got used to binging. So we all like, we all like, we don't like to wait, do we, uh, too long. But listen, Coronation Street's still very close to my heart. Loads of my friends are still in it. I made some of my best friends in that, you know, in that show, like Sally Dinover, Sammy mm. Agardi, Nikki Sanderson, Kevin Kennedy. You know, I've still got great friends and great memories. Yeah. See all those names you just mentioned. If you said their characters' names, I would know them. 
<laughs> okay. Well, we, you're too young, but Kevin Kennedy was Curly Watts. Curly Watts. No, I don't remember Curly Watts. No, that was before your time. Um, then you've got Sally Dinover, who plays Sally. Yes. No, obviously, yeah, yeah Sally Webster. And yeah. then you've got um, Sammy Agardi, who plays Ma- Maria. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then you've got Jane Danson, who plays Leanne. I'm not too, I can't Battersby, Leanne Battersby. Oh yes, yeah, Leanne Battersby. Yeah, so they're all still they're all still my uh, my very my very good mates. Oh no, that's brilliant. Um, I've I just think got I've... it. Come here, Lincoln. Just I've been talking about you. Just come and say hello. Lincoln's just woken up from a little nana nap because of his jet lag. This is Nathan. Hi, Lincoln. Hi, Nathan. Nathan. How are so you? I'm doing the podcast, but also Nathan is a mate of our Williams. Oh yeah, but I've just—he's just been complimenting your art. So I've yeah. said, I've said he's—he's he's maybe going to ask you to do this podcast with him at some point. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I would love to do it. Yeah, I love the blue one with the skull. I think that's brilliant. I was turning the camera around for him. Oh right, it. okay. Yeah. Well, he's got some <laughs> cracking new ones. You'll have to have a look at on um, on Instagram. Oh yeah, shit. definitely have to go on the Instagram. Shit talking banter. Oh, that sounds, sounds about right. Of- <laughs> <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, but yeah, listen, Denise, this was amazing. Thank you so much for uh, for doing this. I had a blast, um, you know, having a bit of banter with you and a bit of shit talk. Um, are you just on Instagram or do you have Pardon? Are you just on Instagram or are you on Twitter as well, Facebook? I'm on I'm on I'm on Twitter, but I, I got very political on Twitter over the last two years Ooh. during the uh, COVID situation. So I've I'm not as um I'm not as, hey, look at me on Twitter. That's much more Instagram. But yeah. I'll share this as much as I as much as I can for you if you send me right. the link to it as well. Yeah. Everything course, on yeah. my Instagram has to be dead simple for me to go. This is a podcast that I did. Click yeah. here to listen, to watch and listen. Bosh. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like the little shimmies that you do on your Instagram, like like the boomerangs. Cool. Yeah, the boomerangs. Retro. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I haven't quite got into TikTok yet, so I'm pretending that I do the boomerangs to try and be retro. But it's yeah. become a bit of a it's become a bit of a thing because I always pretend that the stars have come after me to get them and stuff. But now I do find people going. In fact, Nadia Sawala today has just been in to do a voiceover in the um, in the post production company that my stepson Lewis works in, Halo in London. And uh, he just texted me before and he said, um, oh, Nadia and I have just done a boomerang. She's saving it for you. So my boomerangs are just, you know, <laughs> coming very well, though. Yeah, I think it's, you're going to have to get a trademark on it soon enough. So no one I am. I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, Denise, thanks very much for doing this. You're welcome.